Welcome to what is unseen being manifest into the natural. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the unseen realm. Psalms 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky displays his handiwork. Day after day it speaks out and night after night it reveals its greatness. There's no actual speech or word, nor is its voice literally heard. Yet its voice echoes throughout the earth. Its words carry to the distant horizon. In the sky he has pitched a tent for the sun. Like a bridegroom it emerges from its chamber, like a strong man it enjoys running its course. It emerges from the distant horizon and goes from one end of the sky to the other. Nothing can escape his heat. The law of the Lord is perfect and preserves one's life. The rules set down by the Lord are reliable and impart wisdom to the inexperienced. The Lord's precepts are fair and make one joyful. The Lord's commands are pure and they give insight for life. The commands to fear the Lord are right and endure forever. The judgments given by the Lord are trustworthy and absolutely just. They're of greater value than gold. They're even of a great value of pure gold. They bring greater delight than honey, than even the sweetest honey from a honeycomb. Yes, your servant finds moral guidance there. Those who obey them receive a rich reward. Who can know all his errors? Please do not punish me for sins I am unaware of. Moreover, keep me from committing flagrant sins, and do not allow such sins to control me. Then I will be blameless and innocent of blatant rebellion. May our words and our thoughts this morning, Lord, be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, you are our sheltering rock, and you are our redeemer.
Merci. 
seams that we think hold us together. It's only you, it's only you. It's only you, it's only you. to forget and you are so full of unfailing love for all who ask your aid and all who ask your aid God I ask today lift us up from the earth depths of death and I've been I've been lifted up I'm rescued again glory to your name and forever I will give and it's so great your love it is and all who ask your aid and all who ask your aid all who ask your aid God I ask today and I throw my hands to the skies above Take my chances with this God of love And every other option is not enough I've got to have you And I raise my voice to the top of my lungs 
and I join all the foolish in unknown tongues. Oh, we lift our spirit and soul up to you, God, up to you, God, up to you, God. Glory be, oh, worthy is He, oh, glorious, 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 oh, the King.
He sat down in this land. The king has arrived. The dawn has come. Like a bridegroom coming out of his chambers, the dawn has arrived and it's splitting all veils, no darkness. The light has come, arise and shine. Oh, the light has come, the light has come, arise and shine. Through the valley of death And if I walk In Sheol and hell You are even there There's no mountain high enough And no valley low enough That can separate me You are in the highest heavens You are in the lowest lows of hell Oh, you are everywhere. Oh, even the devil and the enemy is in rented territory. You own all, you own all, you own all, including me. You own all, you own all, ruler, ruler of mercy. You own all. I will not fear, I will not fear, oh be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, oh, Everybody's eyes, Lord, I join the foolish in unknown tongues. Lift up your hands, the king has arrived. He's always been here, he's always been here. Glory to you, oh, glory to your name. 
Trust your grace. Oh, I trust your grace. I trust your judgment, oh God. And I trust your statutes. I trust your law. Oh, and I trust your love. the way. 
He has finished all His blood and His glory reigns When I survey
Just going to give a little bit of an, uh, a moment of instruction here. 
this ministry. A few weeks ago, we started a new series called Starling. And we, um, we've been hitting into Zion and linking up into the heavens of the, the heavenly Jerusalem. And I, I don't know if you're experiencing this in your families. And, um, but this is real, and I, I just want to give a little pastoral like encouragement here. As we can climb up into the heavens and we can stay there. But I'll tell you, our enemy, the enemy of our families, the enemy of this move of God would want everything he could to drag us back down into the, the, elementary, the elementary things of the law. This, this week, I, um, the Lord, I, I just felt impressed. He said, you know, he, it was an impression more than a, like a thus saith the Lord, but he's, I, I felt like he sent our family down to Charleston. And I get down there and I'm thinking, you know, I've like heard a lot of good things about Charleston. It's like a, you know, a nice city to go to. And I'm down there and I'm experiencing something. I'm really kind of taking off, um, like kilter down there. And I feel like I'm, you know, I tell Kara, I said, this place is like haunted. And it's like walking on the, um, the graves of the dead. And then, and then Elizabeth says it. She says, um, they, they built this city on the dead. You know, and I didn't even have any idea, but I was like, this place is haunted. There's something wrong down here. Something really bad has happened, and I should know my history better. And some of you, you know your history. So we're down there, and I'm just like, I feel I, the worst I've felt in a long time. And I feel like I am out of control, and I'm spun completely out of, I cannot locate myself. I cannot find what's going on. I'm like really, really finding the, the despair is in that city. I'm like, we, we were there for like, a, we stay at this place and it's just like a miserable. And then the next day, um, Elizabeth's like, you know, let's go over to um, uh, the Isle of Palms. And we go over there and I'm just like, this place, something is wrong with this whole place. And we get over there to Solomon, Sullivan's Island. And I see this sign and it says, Revolutionary War of like um, 1776. And I start kind of scratching my head and I'm like, man, what has happened down here? And I, I, I start to like read these like placards and things. And I realize, well, there was a war in our nation. A war, and I, I'm not going to do the best with this, but I'm going to try. Of a different ideology. It was the ideology that came out of Britain of the monarchy. And then it was the ideology of liberation, that we'd be liberated from that and build a republic and a democracy, or a democratic republic. And, and this place that I'm standing, there's like the water comes between it, it says, do not branch into that water because they've had many people die from the riptide current in that water. And um, I look on this placard and you got the, uh, the British army on one side and then you have the American uh, army on the other. And I said, Lord, what's going on in this place? And then someone writes me from Minnesota and said, you got to find the key while you're down there. Make sure you get the key. And I was like, man, I hate this place. And I, I was like, I don't understand what's going on here. And I, I'm like, Lord. And the 
Lord said, you know, he starts to talk to me. He says, do you see? And I'm like, no, I'm struggling. He said, do you see how things have been built by oppression and coercion? And he said, was it any different in the monarchy of Charles II? And I was like, no. I come to find out he was like filled with debauchery and drunkenness and wantonness and all these evil sins. And, you know, the Americans are like, we don't want anything to do with this. But then they go and do the same thing. So you got this slave oppression that's going on there and the way that they're treating people. And I mean, and you got these little houses down there. They're literally built. I don't know if you've been down there, but they're like collapsing because they built their houses on sand. It was built on a place that's built in marshes. An entry point into our nation. We're coming out of there, and I go on this road, South Carolina 517, and the Lord said, pay attention. And I was like, pay attention. I was like, oh, that must just be me again, 517. And then this truck pulls in front of me and it says 517 on the tag. And I said, okay, maybe I have an objective proof of an unseen reality. You know, you know, faith is the title deed hope for the key. It's the objective proof of an unseen reality. I'm like, maybe I have one. Well, we get back the next day. Now I'm listening to Chris Valaton, and he's doing this message on how transitions can be really difficult. Listen to this out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5:17. He begins to say this the very next day, and I knew that the Lord was speaking to me. Listen to what he says, what Paul says. So then, if anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Look. Look out. Behold, what's new has come. Right before we had left, I, would, I, I was sitting on the... I was sitting on the... Um, the, the Manning's house. Uh, Jeff and Kelly Manning were sitting there, and Karen and I was, and... And I said, Lord, what's going on? He said, today, today starts a brand new day. You know how we've been saying in this series, right? In this series that we've been saying that the Lord said, out of 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter was talking about how he see, saw the transfiguration. He said, it was like a murky place until the day dawned and the morning star rose. And the Lord said, welcome to the new day. Like, we got to get this. And so I'm telling Jeff this the next day after 517. He says, Carol, I tell you, I called you because the Lord told me to give you this. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 21. And he had no idea that the Lord had said this to me on July the 21st. And look what he says. Listen. Were you called as a slave? Do not worry about it. But indeed, I tell you, if you're able to be free, make most of your opportunity. For the one who's called you in the Lord as a slave is the Lord's 
free man. Now see, everything in this world is trying to drag us down back to Sinai. But listen, listen, behold the days of freedom are here. And I, I know this from the Lord. We'll not be cloaked in slavery anymore. It's something we have to believe. We have to let go. Listen to Galatians chapter 4. I know, I know the Lord did this to me. I know he wanted me to have such a distaste with it. He wanted me to feel it. He wanted me to know it. And he wanted me to see all the eccentricity that's going down down there and know that none of it matters. He wanted me to see all the pop and circumstance of Charleston and know that none of it matters. That the things of this world, they'll never satisfy the human spirit. Nothing will, right? He said, tell me, you who want to be under the law, do you not understand the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the woman and the other by the free woman, or the slave woman. But one, the son of the slave woman, was born by natural descent, while the other, the son of the free woman, was born through the promise. These things may be treated as an allegory, for this woman represents two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. This is Hagar. Now, Hagar represents Mount Sinai in Arabia, and it corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But this Jerusalem, is free. Everything is free. It's the place of true freedom. It's a place of liberty. We got in here and he said, the Lord said, you're, you have to celestially navigate. You can't navigate anymore like the way in the past. Grab hold of the stars and link up with the heavens. And I said, which ones? I don't know what I'm doing. How do you link cosmologically with the stars? Look at the Lord. Look at me, says the Lord. Yeah, we've been hit, yeah. But we shall overcome. Yes, we are the overcoming church. Yes, we are the ones who are free. Rejoice. I say again, rejoice. Oh, barren woman who does not bear children, break forth and shout. You have had no births and pains because the children of the desolate woman are more numerous. Than of the woman who's had a husband, brothers and sisters you're the children of promise like Isaac 
But just like the one who's born by natural descent, persecuted the one that's born according to the Spirit, so it is now. But it's what the Scripture says. Listen. Throw out the slave woman and her son. But the slave woman will not share the inheritance of the sons and daughters of the free woman. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman. You're children of the free. Rise! Rise into freedom! Rise! Rise into Zion! We must rise! We must believe! I cast all my confidence on you, Lord. For whom shall I go to? I can go nowhere else but to you, Lord.
Sons and daughters of kings. Sons and daughters of kings. We are children. Very all spring. Psalms 126.
when the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion. We were like those who dream, and our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongues with joyful shouting. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. The Lord has done great things for us. The Lord has done great things for us.
you read on in Psalms 126. I think this is so apropos. Listen to this. It says, restore our captivity, O Lord. As in the streams of the south. it so in tears shall reap with joyful shouting he who goes to and fro weeping carrying his bag of seed shall indeed come again with a shout of joy bringing his sheaves with him. Tell me, say this. You know, what we're going through this morning is literally, he tells me this over and over, say this to you. You're in a war. You're fighting for the very soul of this nation. That's, that's what's going on. taking our ground we're taking our ground and taking our stand and we will not rule this nation will not be ruled by oppression anymore nor coercion somebody has to take a stand someone this royal family. We must take a stand that even goes beneath the founding fathers where the rock is Christ himself. What you're fighting for, for your families and what you're standing on. You stand on the cornerstone of Christ. And you say, you're saying in yourself, I will not be governed. And I will not govern as an oppressor. I will not govern or be governed by manipulation. We stand on Jesus. 
he is our rock and that he is our fortress. Genesis 49 that the ruler's staff would be between Judah's feet until Shiloh comes to whom it belongs so everything belongs to him that everything is by him and is for him and is through him it all belongs to the Lord Stand on that ground today. Child of 
child of God. We are children. We are children. We are children of God. We are children. We are children of God. Oh, this world is not meant for you. This world is not meant for you. Oh, we are children of Zion. Children of Zion, oh, oh, children of God, mm -hmm. oh, I am a child of God, oh, I am a child of God.
want to say this that many of you in this room right now and you know there are some that are not with us this morning but I say this from the Lord to you and he keeps saying this to say this to you so I'll say what he says but he says that many of you in this room will be a part of leading a mass exodus a mass exodus Mass exodus within this nation, um, out of Sinai and into Zion. You will lead people out of Babylon. Uh, hold your hands out, so, because uh, the particle of fire, the particle of the living flame of love, is moving around this room right now for your callings and. Your commissioning and equipping of who you are in the Lord. And you have waited and God has spoke many things into your life. Things, some of the things that are yet to be fulfilled. A light, a particle of light falling into your hands. Light to lead out of out of Sinai into Zion a light to lead out of Babylon into Zion stay with me stay with the Lord Yeah. 
while we begin to transition, uh, Stephen, he heard this from the Lord, and I, I really think that it's very poignant uh, what he's getting because um, the Lord kept saying to me right before he said this to me, he says, you know, do you believe what I've done here this morning? Do you believe me? Do you, do you believe me? He asked me to ask you. And he also said to me that you don't need permission. Um, you move by his spirit. When you move out by his spirit, you just move out. Stephen brought this up, Psalms 25. Unto you, O Lord, do I bring my life. Oh my God, I trust, I lean on, I rely on, I'm confident in you. Let me not be put to shame or be disappointed. And let not my enemies triumph over me. Hey, because when you move out in trust, when you move out in faith, when you say, you know what, I'm going, I'm going out on, I'm riding the edge and I'm jumping. Because he says, I'm bringing you my whole life. And this is how it works in the kingdom of God. When you present, you'll feel this. It's like a, you're bringing him everything because he's like this. You know, the word's like this. You bring the whole self to him. You don't retain a part of yourself and move out with the Lord. You, you bring all of yourself, all that you have to offer him. He said, when I do that, when I, when I move out, the writer of Hebrews said he's the anchor of the soul. He said, when I move out with a promise and an oath, I go across this veil. He's like, I know that you'll be with me. You anchor my soul. I'm about to step out. I'm going to trust whatever the Lord's telling me to do. He said, he said, my hope is in you, so I'll not be ashamed or disappointed. Because this is Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Remember? They're about to cross. And he says, hey, be strong and, and be courageous. Don't, don't get down. Go ahead and make that movement. Yep. Yes, let none that trust and wait, hopefully, and look for you, be put to shame or be disappointed. When you place all of your hope in him, you have nowhere else to look. And you know the enemy assaults your soul to get you into despair. And the situation and circumstance puts you in despair. But he says, do not stop looking at him. If, if you look at him and you move out in faith, you will not be put to shame. And the more you walk on air, the more you're the heavenly, you're the Zion people, the more that you say, the air, I'm, I'm flying on the wings of the dawn. The more you walk like that, the more thing want to pull you right out of the air and drop you right down into the earth dimension. He said, if you'll look at me, you'll not be disappointed. You'll not be ashamed. He says, let them be ashamed who forsake the right or deal treacherously without cause. You know what he's saying? Anybody that oppresses and anybody that commits perjury or treachery or manipulation, let them be put to shame. But the one who waits on the Lord, the one who puts all their confidence in him, will not be put to shame. This is a confidence. Now I've watched this and observed this in my family time and time again. I can tell you confidently, 
that if you move out and trust him with your whole heart and you don't lean left or right, you will not be disappointed and you will not be put to shame. He says this, and I'm going to do this this morning in the preaching. I have a message. Show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your path. Guide me in truth and faithfulness and teach me or instruct me for you're the God of my salvation. For you only and all together do I wait expectantly all the day long. Another thing that happens within us is to wait on someone else or to see someone else as your savior or your vindicator. No, he says, you alone. I'm waiting on you alone. I will not, in your mind, I'm not turning this way or this way or this way or that way. I'm waiting on you alone. And he says this and he ascribes this. Uh, we ascribe this to you, O oh Lord, that you're tender in mercy and you're loving kind. And you have been this way from old. You've always been this way and you're not changing, right? He's the same what? Yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Good morning. <laughs> Suzanne always says, that's so odd, Dad, that you do that. <laughs> You know why? Because I, I believe that it's right that we give God the honor that he's due. And, you know, Paul said this. He says, if I lose my mind, it's for God's sake. And if I find it, it's for you. <laughs> I thought that's pretty good. That's exactly what happens. If, uh, if you lose your mind, it's for, this, it's for the Lord. But if you find it, it's for everybody else. So when we come into this room and you lose your mind, you know, and, and you're not, you know, like you're all over the place, it's for God. If you find it, it's for everybody else. I just found it. <laughs> Anyways, so that's, I think that's why she said that's kind of different to do it that way. It's like, good morning. Um, hey, guys. Good morning. Hey, let's take an offering this morning. <clears throat> and then I really want to get, I want to jump into the text and, and, um, and encourage you. Lord, we thank you this morning for the blessing of our finances, our businesses, our creativity. Lord, we thank you for this word this morning that those who sow will reap. And you sow in tears, Lord, we sow financially. And the way that we sow, Lord, we reap. And we just thank you, Lord, that we'll come with sheep. And the blessing of, of uh, your hand will come over our families, over our households. I pray this revelation and understanding will go deeper into our understanding, our mindsets. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bless you as you give. And it's been crazy this whole life through. And I just want to be more like you. Till all of you becomes all of me. And I will sing to you fervently.
Lord, I thank you for grace this morning to minister your word, and I, I pray, Holy Spirit, that it would cause us this morning to deeply comprehend what you are saying to us. And I, I pray, Lord, that you give me um, your word for your people, that it would um, come into our understanding, that we would deeply uh, know your or that we would know your your ways and we would know your paths and. I thank you for this company of people that have gathered here this morning. I pray for them, and I bless them, Lord. And I bless everyone under the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I, I was sharing with Stephen this morning that ever since a few weeks ago, after seeing that, that light, that came into this room like it's really messed with me a lot. It's it's really messed with my it's like I'm I'm like, okay, am I gonna be able to be have a cognitive ability to be able to separate this and that and I it's kind of just messed with my understanding. And it's opened up an understanding that's so broad that I shared with you a couple weeks ago. I was like, I think I could start for I could start right here and for 12 hours, I probably could preach straight, no problem. And we could begin laying down the text, and then we could really get into something. And maybe in three hours, I could actually have a context built where we could really dive into the, the Word of God. So I'm, I'm going to make my attempt and uh, take you along this journey together. I'm in 2 Peter 1, and, I, and of course I've mentioned this, but I need to just touch on it again, that for when, 17, for when he had invested, he was invested with honor and glory, speaking of Jesus, from God the Father, and a voice was born to him by the splendid, majestic glory, and the bright cloud that overshadowed him, saying, 
This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased and I delight. And I believe I've shared this with you that this is the greatest. If, if, the, if the Lord's going to be transfigured in the middle of transfiguration, this is what the Father is going to say. Let's say the uncreated God is going to say something. In the middle of his son's transfiguration to like uh, reveal himself, he's having a revealing party. I just want to let y'all see who I really am. The ultimate of coming out. Transfiguration. Right? The greatest exposure to other human beings that there could be. The transfiguration... And there's one thing uncreated God Father would say. Now remember, when we say uncreated, what do we mean? God's always existed. Matter, matter was formed by God. God is not matter in the sense of he formed everything and gave it its definition. God is uncreated. So he's, if your mind can take this, and I can barely take this, he's always existed. And there was nothing but him, and then he brought everything to worlds and everything into existence. Okay, that, that God, that Father, he has one thing to say in the greatest coming out transfiguration party for a family there's ever been. He has one thing to say, this is my beloved son. And I delight in him and I'm pleased with him. Think about that. He's mine. There's a recognition that goes back and forth between the Father and the Son. He's mine. And when I say he's mine, he wants me and, and I want him. So he's, he's both, he's mine, but he wants me. So he's mine. It's it trans, the understanding of, you know, and I, we're raising six kids and you can tell when your children want you and you want them. And sometimes that doesn't happen. Y'all are getting too loud, you know. I, I want to be separate for a little while. I need my space. Anybody else experience that with other people? But when he says he's mine, it's the greatest intimacy there could ever be between his, him and his son. He does, I, just, I, don't, I love hanging out with him, but he loves being with me at a level that is incomprehensible. It's, it's beyond comprehension. It's love. Yeah, I love him. And in the middle of that, in Matthew 17, the three apostles, Peter, James, and John, are flattened under that revelation. I, I think in this hour, it's the greatest, the greatest revelation to the human heart is to be loved. Because everything in this world is trying to tell us a different story. Is trying to give us a different expression. And that all sonship, that means all the responsibility and duty, that the things that we do, son, it all comes from a relationship with God as a loving father. And listen, he's not a patronizer. He's a patron. 
I'm well pleased with him and I delight in him. Every time I see him, I just get, oh, I love to be with my boy. And he loves to be with me. I don't, that revelation knocked everybody on the ground. You understand? No, we don't fully understand yet. But we will. I think that's why, I believe that's why John the Beloved was the one who wrote the book of Revelation. He wrote it because people don't understand this. They think the book of Revelation is this end time book of all this travesty. The book of Revelation is the greatest love book that's ever been written. Try to visualize it as the greatest expression of God's love. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And there's no greater love than him himself. And so the travesty is coincidental. It's not the focus. So he says, and we have this prophetic word made firmer still, and you'll do well to pay close attention to it. Pay close attention to everything that's trying to tell you that you're not loved. Pay close attention to that that's trying to put the beat down on you. Pay close attention to that because that's a murky place. It's trying to say that you're, it's trying to characterize your life by something that God doesn't, more than likely doesn't even experience in himself that's trying to come against you and your family. God in his very own nature is love and things are trying to hit us and tell us. Pay very close attention. Peter's like, you've got to get this. This is greater than the structure that he's trying to build. This is greater than your domestic abode. This is greater than this is greater than the church uh, structure as a whole. This is greater than any building. Years ago, Kara said to me, we were in the parking lot of English, she said, love is everything, Carol. And I said, well, love and, and I don't remember what I said, but I added something to it. She's over there, and you just don't get it. <laughs> you don't know. You don't understand at all. You just don't get it. But you will one day. Like three months later, I'm like, "You're right." <laughs> I see what you're saying now. Her name means Kara means beloved. So, and her middle name Robin means noble. So she's going to be beloved nobly. And love nobly. I want you to pay attention to this. As to a lamp that is shining in a dismal or dark or squalid place until the day breaks. Well, the Lord said, you know, to me, he's like, are you noticing the untils? And so I, um, I was like, huh, you know, because he had been expressing these different verses and sections of Scripture to me, he's like, do you, do you notice the untils? And I said, well, um, you know, let me, let me go and, and back into m- myself, because you know how you're going through something in life, and the Lord's speaking to you, and then he says something like that, and then you're just like, oh, i got to make a connection here. And he takes me back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. Now, now be mindful because now we've said until the day dawns, 
and the morning star rises in your hearts. Ephesians 4.13 says, Until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Now, before this, it says that he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And he goes through three things that he gives uh, to the church. Now, listen, listen to this because it, this really matters for the setup that we're coming into in this age. He said that he gave the fivefold ministry. And his intention is, was this. He gave it for the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints, the consecrated ones, to work of ministering towards the building up of Christ's body in the church. Until... until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, a mature person attaining to the measure of Christ's full stature. So, I mean, I, I had someone call me this week. He said, you know, what fivefold ministry are you in? You know, what, uh, what's your ministry? And, and uh, they were, it was another person asking another person, what's your ministry? What's your five-fold ministry gift? And a person called me and said, you know, I, th I think the Lord's wanting us to get on beyond that. You know, because people are teaching that you get your identity out of that. They don't know they're doing it. Many of them don't. They're finding their identity in five-fold ministry gifts. And, uh, and that's where the, so much, I mean, you have a whole other section of the church that doesn't even embrace the fivefold. But then you get into those who embrace the fivefold ministry offices, and then they say, well, I got this office, and I got this office, and I'm this office, or whatever. But, the, but then when you read the text, that's not the, uh, that's not the end of this, right? It's, uh, until we attain the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, a mature person, Attaining to the measure of Christ's full stature. Listen to this one. This is um, Psalms 132.5. This is a song of ascent. I've heard a, a preacher say this is the vow that literally changed history. Now, I really want you to get a hold of this, and I've sent this out in emails and things like that, but it's King David, and he's saying, he's saying this, Lord, earnestly remember to David's credit all his humiliations and hardships and endurance. Listen now, like, hear me now. Listen, listen to what the word of the Lord saying to you. All your, the things that you've been through, how he swore... To the Lord and vowed to the mighty God of Jacob. One translation says that he made a promise and an oath. He made a double, he made a double commitment to the Lord. I promise you, Lord, and I make, um, I make an oath. I'll not even go into my, let my eyes sleep or my eyelids get slumber until I find a place for the Lord. 
The one thing I'm really excited about, about what's happened here is, you know, it was some months back in this ministry, the Lord's like, you finally found a place. And we came into this Young Men's Institute and we, you know, learned why am I? I mean, right? And we began to enter in and I am began to show up with us and hang out with us. And he said, you found a place. And then, and then, and then I said, oh, that's good, Lord. And he says, now it's time to go find a dwelling place. But it says here, he says, I, he says, not just that I found a place for the Lord, but then I found a dwelling place for the powerful one of Jacob. Uh, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You build the Lord's house, and he'll build yours. Haggai chapter 1, remember? Israel, they had come down out of captivity. There was like 50,000 Jews. They come down. They're going to build the second temple. They get down there, they, uh, they, they lay the foundation, they all break down in tears and crying because they're dealing with a lot of problems. Their grandparents have been down there and there's, everything's in rubble and, and ruins because the temple had been destroyed. And they're, they're going to go down there to build, but there's no, imagine this, there's no education system, no political system, no highways and roads hardly, everything's dirt. I mean... They're having hardship after hardship. It's like pioneering a brand new into some kind of territory. Never uh, been in, they haven't been into it, just like their grandparents had told them about it. They go down there and they're going to build the house of the Lord. And next thing you know, it says they begin to pay attention to their paneled houses. They begin to pay attention to their own things more than the Lord. And you know what happened? They all stopped building the house of the Lord. And for 16 years, not one of them laid their hands to the house of the Lord. 16 years later, you know what happens? Prophets raise up and they're encouraging the people of the Lord. You got Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak. You got Zerubbabel, Ezra, Nehemiah. Zechariah, they begin to raise up to build the temple and, and they, they start to prophesy on the people and they say, listen, doesn't your money, isn't it like bags with holes in it? Aren't your paneled houses, aren't they still in ruins? Have you really got anywhere? Raise up and let's raise up the house of the Lord. And these people, they, they become one heart again and they say, I, I want to vow my heart that I want a dwelling place for God. We had a place, but we want a dwelling place. This happened in this ministry. I, I said, Lord, how do we get from place to dwelling place? He said, you're going to have to become houseless yourself. And we've lived in six different places. Supposed to go into our seventh one. Six different places we had to live in and go through this whole evolution because we're like, well, you know what? And that's no easy thing, I'm telling you. But it's like, do you want a dwelling place or do you want, do you just want a place? Do you want to settle or do you want something that will bring glory and honor to me? I'm like, man, I'm tired of settling. I'm, I'm tired of like settling down into life and saying, well, I guess this is what life is every day. Even if you found a good place for the Lord, but to find a dwelling place for God. 
Look, it's, I, I'm just bringing this out because he says, until I found. I mean, much of the church itself, and y'all know this because you've been in the houses of, of, they don't even have a place for God. I mean, I don't even know that God even comes to a lot of places. I don't know, it's not my business, but I don't even know that if he even shows up. I know I've been in a lot of that. I don't even know if the Lord is even there. I don't even know if his presence is there or his power is there. A place. Much less a dwelling place. And then we run into another issue. The enemy's in hot pursuit about any place, especially a dwelling place, that would actually give him the Lord glory. And he's pursuing the people of God to get them distracted, to get you on the things... All of us on our circumstances look at other things, look at that, look at this, look at that. And I mean, he is, I, I mean, I'm like, Lord, how in the world? This week I was like, how in the world would any people ever really just fully come into the until of the dwelling place and be marked by people that would just give themselves fully to this vow like David did in his day? He said, um, well, we heard about it at Ephratah, and we heard and discovered there was an ark. We found it in the fields of the wood at Jars, or Jar. I mean, all that the ark of God would come into the house of God. I bring this out because... Um, a few weeks ago, when we were up here worshiping the Lord and going after him, that's what happened all of a sudden. This bright light breaks forth these two dark panels. I said, uh, completely overwhelmed. I was like, what is that? And I knew it was the most holy place. I was like, we haven't peered into the depths of uh, who you really are. We, we wouldn't ever be satisfied without you, Lord. He's like, behold. Uh, Wendy Todd, I said, Wendy, she said, Carol, you know what the Lord said to me? He said, behold me. I'm up here on the floor and the Lord's like, behold, behold me. Behold, at Ephratah, we heard about it. We heard about it in Bethlehem. What is Bethlehem? You know, some years ago I said, Lord, I... Uh, Daisy had me over to preach a message. I don't know if you remember that at Glow. But, he's, but the Lord said this to me before we, we got there, and he says, you know, you know Bethel. Everybody in here, anybody want to say what Bethel is? What is it? House of God. You know, right? Anybody experience Bethel? You know what I'm saying, Genesis 28? You had to experience the Lord, the angels ascending and descending on the ladder. I know Christian believers that are marked by Bethel. They're marked by it in your soul. You've had an experience. Maybe you don't know about your experience. Or, but Jacob had that experience in Genesis 28, right? I know, I'm going to this glow meeting and the Lord's like, Son, you must go on beyond Bethel. He said, Jacob did. Jacob went on beyond Bethel. He went to where? 
Uh, later on, he'll meet God at El... He'll name the place what? El Bethel. You know what El Bethel means? El Bethel means the God of the house of God. It's one thing to be in God's house. It's another thing to get to know the God who's over the house of God. I remember in my experience in the Lord when he took Proverbs 9 and broke it out to me. And he's like, do you see the seven pillars? And I said, oh, yeah, yeah. And he said, I'm building a palace. He's like, I'm the God that's above the house of God. You have a revelation of the house of God. Let me give you a revelation of me. I was like, oh, that must be what was happening to Job. You see, because you know God, not just at Bethel, you know God at El Bethel. I mean, that story is the most beautiful story, and I can't, I don't have time. I would, I'd do it for you this morning. Everybody, go get some food, and we'll just go with it. Now, I love the story of Jacob and his progress from Bethel to El Bethel. But he'll come to another place, and he's going to have a son. His name's Benjamin. And there's an attempt to call him Benoni by his wife. And she wants to call him son of my sorrows. And Jacob said, let it not be so, for his name shall be Benjamin. He's son of my right hand. Out of, the sons of, out of the sons of Jacob, it was the only son born in the land of promise. Now hear me, hear me. And the Lord said, you must not just know me at Bethel or El Bethel. You must know me at Bethlehem. I said, Lord, what do you mean? You know, because he's like, the only way to get the ark of God into Jerusalem, into your city, is you must pass through Bethel, El Bethel, Bethlehem, to go to Jerusalem. Because I, I, I've wanted to see the ark of God come in among his people for years. I'm like, if we could just get the ark of God, the ark of the covenant, open in a house, a dwelling place for God. Oh. If he could find a place where he could dwell among his people and we could just lift up the tent curtains, so to speak, like David did, and there's no distance between us and him and we're not having to battle in it, and boom, the Spirit of God moves. If we could just get a place, and then we could just get a dwelling place, and the ark of God would come in, we would have Bethlehem in Jerusalem. I said, what, 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 what has to happen, Lord? He said, well, Bethlehem, listen to me, Bethlehem's a place you want to be celebrated, but nobody knows about you. And Jerusalem's the place where you're fully exposed, but you don't want anybody else to know. Bethlehem, God, God has come into a little baby and has been born. The greatest celebration of all the ages should be taking place. You would think everybody, every planet would show up. And you got a few people there, some shepherds and a few kings that have traveled from the far. You got his mom and daddy, and you got some goats and some cows and some sheep. 
And God just became man. I mean, you think about it. He's going to save the world. You talk about what should have been the greatest birthing celebration. There's not even room for him in the end. Listen, you know this in your human heart. You know how it feels to want to be celebrated and you're completely ignored. Anybody in here experience that? Welcome to Bethlehem. No, God wouldn't, God wouldn't take me. No, you don't understand what I understand about him. I've been to Bethel. I, I saw, I saw, I've been to Jacob's Ladder. I, I have. It's really amazing. I, I had a, I've gotten to know the God of the house of God. And then the Lord says, no, come to Bethlehem because in that place of real humility, in that place of being not known, in the place of unknowing, See, there'll never be an until until that till happens. <laughs> the tilling of the human soul. Nobody likes that. That's why this kind of works. They dry, it runs almost everybody out. Because no one really wants to come to a place where they come to know this powerful, majestic God and then be unknown to everyone else that's around them. Nobody likes that. I mean, I got some revelation. Where you're just like the knot on the log to everybody that's around you. Like they look at you and they just see flesh. And inside of you is a burning heart. Well, you think you think that one's hard, then he's like, wait till you wait till you go to Jerusalem. Wait till you have to be platformed and you're fully exposed. But Jesus on the cross, fully exposed before man. There's nothing, nothing worse than having yourself exposed in front of other people. They're like, see, see, see the stuff. Look at the stuff. You see the stuff. Look at them. Look at them. Look at them. The folks, there's no real maturity in the, in the soul until these things that are found out in Bethlehem and Jerusalem. Because I, I, I'll say this to you, that no flesh can glory in his presence. No flesh. I mean, it's it's a marvel that I've, I've said this to the Lord when he said to start this ministry. After coming through a whole Bethlehem season and coming here, I said, there's no way it'll work. I was like, Lord, this is impossible. There's no way that a people are going to show up and allow themselves to go through that kind of exposure. There's no way. He said, I'll do it. I'll gather a people who are more committed to me than themselves. I'm really glad to meet y'all. <laughs> They're more committed to me than they are to being celebrated and more committed to me than they are if, I'm ex if they're exposed. They're still more committed to me. Listen, th this is the great exposure at the end of the age of the human heart. That, but I tell you the truth, the until begins to happen when this has been processed in our soul. Now you say, well, Carol, Carol that sounds really tough to hear something like that, but I want to I say this to you. That work that's being done by way of the manger and by way of the cross will bring Jesus and bring his spirit in among us. Because really all that can be left is love. 
All that can be left inside of you is a burning heart that burns with love because there can be nothing else there except him. Let's all stand. Where love flames hottest is here. It wouldn't make any sense to anybody. There's a place where you want to be celebrated the most or at least understood. And the place where you don't want to be exposed the most, you're seen the most. It wouldn't make any sense to anybody. But it's right there where the veil cracks open. It's right there where hunger becomes more and love for him becomes more than your own existence. It's where the love burns hot. It's what he's been doing. Thank God, God knows it. No one would want to go in and breach that place over and over again. I want to encourage you this morning to do it. I know that, are, that you are in this room, that many of you have committed yourself to this path. That if you lose your life for his sake in the gospel, though he promises you'll find it. This is where the morning star begins to rise. This is where the day dawns. This is where the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ comes in and empowers the human spirit. It doesn't make any sense. This is where you look through the cleft of God's likeness by Moses and you look through the cloak of that's around Elijah's face through image and you begin to behold the very one, the majesty, the one who's completely selfless. This is where the audience is just before him and not before others, but just him and him alone. You're found to be his delight. of your greatest joy it's the revelation of Jesus Christ 
swine woman of the well can come. And she said, come and see the man who's told me everything I've ever done wrong. Never met a man like this. Could tell me everything I did wrong and I feel so delighted in. Lord Unleashed is one of the greatest evangelists in his day right there. No more resistance, no more holding on to self, just letting go. Yeah, Lord, we make this commitment to you this morning. We made the commitment of, of walking through Bethel and El Bethel and on to Bethlehem so that you could be represented in Jerusalem. This is your way, Lord, and this is your path. Well, Stephen sings, let's come and, and, um, and have communion together. Drop your burdens here and take mine, light. If your mouth is dry.
say what I did this morning. I want, I want you to hear me. Because Jesus laid this path for us towards resurrection and ascension. It's his way. And it's his path. But I want to encourage you this morning. There will always be a resurrection. On the other side of this is the glory of the brightness and the goodness of the Lord. When you peer and you say, Lord, I give my whole self to you like this. Oh, you get more than what you gave up. You get him. body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He said this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Thank you for your life, Lord. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for your light, Lord. Thank you for your glory, Lord. Burn hot in us, Lord. Living flame of love, take over us and flame us for your glory, Lord. Lord, you're good, Lord. You're so good, Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may the Lord make his face shine upon you. And may you have peace. Amen. Bless you today.